Do places still charge cover charges, like door charges, when you go out on the town? Uh, it's been a while since I was out on the town, to be honest. I can't remember the last time I would have been charged something at the door to get in to a pub. At one point when I was living in London, it was like £20 some nights. Stop it. I 40 know. bucks to get yeah, into a pub. 40 ba- well, I obviously wouldn't go in. It was yeah. a club, not a... When I say club, it was a bar. The reason I ask, of course, is because we're talking about the country that's about to introduce its own cover charge. Well, it could be, yeah. The tourist levy thing in tourist Indonesia. Tax. Is it just? It's not just Bali, is it? Is it Indonesia-wide? I think it's Indonesia-wide, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, talk about that Interesting later. call that one. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, this is uh, Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. We're one day out from King Charles finally getting his crown. So what's the vibe in London? Also, as we alluded to before, a cheap trip to Bali could be about to get a lot more expensive. If you're one of those people who hates the idea of being picked on to join in at a comedy show, we've got all the tips you need to know on how to avoid getting chosen. And of course, it is Fun Fact Friday. We've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. We've got a special episode out tomorrow, don't we, Imogen? We do indeed. Producer Jono's in to chat all things coronation. A coronation 101, if you will, uh, explaining everything and anything we can expect to see on the day. Spoiler alert, Meghan Markle's not one of those things. There's some excellent managing up from us going on there, I think it's fair to say. Pooling resources, I think, is the phrase we like to use. But one thing we have managed to miss in our week of coronation coverage uh, and tomorrow's ep is a bit of the Kiwi perspective of it all. Yes, but thankfully, we have managed to get a correspondent all tooled up and ready to beam in from London. Christian Smith is a journalist at The Lawyer magazine there, and he is also a good old Auckland boy. Christian, give us a flavour of the atmosphere. Is it is it febrile? Is it feverish? Is there magic in the air? Can you feel the anticipation? Uh, the, yeah, <laughs> there is a lot of bunting. I mean, the anticipation is... Far from palpable, I would say. Uh, I've actually been taken aback a wee bit at how uninterested a lot of a lot of locals here are. I think you know, with these things, this is the, the third sort of big royal event that we've had in the last eighteen months with the jubilee and um, and and uh, the funeral last year. So you know, there's a bit of fatigue there, but I think on top of that as well, the, these things have a bit of momentum, and London sort of changes attention very rapidly. So I think as we build into the weekend. We're definitely going to start seeing more and more interest in in what's going on. Christian, coming from New Zealand, where you know the monarchy is is present, but uh, you know very distant. How do you kind of feel about how the Brits approach all of this royal family stuff? Is it a bit is it a bit odd? Yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible time to be over here. I mean, I I just so happened to be here for the Queen's funeral and and the Platinum Jubilee, the Platy Jubes. Um, <laughs> I would say my impression is that the kind of approach to the royal family amongst the general public is much similar to New Zealand's general approach, really. You do get a cross-section of society. You get your royal fanatics and your fanatical Republicans, you know, across. I, I went down to um, the Mall and Buckingham Palace earlier today, and there were about 20 tents already set up along along the mall and had been set up for a couple of days and, and those are you know the fanatics and that's pretty amazing and i mean it's hard to ignore some of the pretty out there 
you know, archaic things that will go on at the ceremony. There's things like, you know, uh, the sword of openness, I think. There's the bracelet of wisdom, the stone of destiny. Um, Sounds like a Harry Potter novel. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the holy hand grenade of Antioch at some point. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to take that seriously. But at the same time, you know, th that's a part of history. And it's actually a real salute to that as well. What are we calling? What are we calling Coronation Day? My vote's Coronation. Thoughts, feelings, emotions. Chazzle dazzle could be another option. The chazzle <laughs> um, look, I mean, I think you can call it whatever you want to call it. I don't know how many people will be joining in with with Coronation. <laughs> hey, Christian, just finally on this, I, I think you've got a pretty decent Kiwi contingent over there. New Zealanders and London do tend to flock together in some sort of an iron law of the universe. Um, how are you folks planning on, on marking the occasion? Do you have anything special planned for it? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go to Hyde Park and and watch from the big screens there because I you know it it's a pretty incredible moment in history um and that'll be quite cool to be a part of. I do know in terms of flocking together, a lot of New Zealanders have just used the bank holiday weekend as an excuse to get cheap flights to Ibiza. Drink a few pims in on our behalf as well, if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> yeah. Christian. There's nothing like day drinking um, for a once in 70 year event. I could do that for you, Emil. Thank you very much. <laughs> Christian Smith, uh, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been lovely chatting. Tell you what, when the weather's been like it has been, it makes me just want to book a beach holiday. I've never been to Hawaii and Going to Hawaii right now sounds like a very good idea. Yeah, I mean, a beach and some sun would be quite a nice thing heading into winter, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you said Hawaii. Bali has always kind of a a appealed to me as one of those easy beach mm. destinations for us here in New Zealand. Uh, relatively cheap as well. But maybe not that cheap for much longer because there are these reports that the Indonesian government is looking at introducing a tourist tax. Is that right? Yeah, that cheeky beach trip uh, might start costing you a wee bit more. Like you say, the Indonesian government's pondering a potential foreigner's fee or tourist tax of around 160 New Zealand dollars in order to enter. 160 bucks? Mm. Well, like at the border when you enter the country? I've, I assume you'd pay it before you get there. That's how most tourist taxes work. It's pretty steep, 160 bucks. Okay, why are they doing this? Well, there's been a bit of reporting recently, right, about Indonesia's attempts to stop Bali, I guess in particular, being considered this cheap destination for people to just party their problems away. We've got talks about a guidebook being potentially created to teach tourists what is and what isn't considered good behaviour when you're visiting there. It is, of course, quite a religious country. Everyone's got a war story or two that they've either participated in or heard of when it comes to visiting. Uh, just the other week we had that yarn about the Aussie guy who allegedly went on a drunken, naked rampage, hit a security guard, hit some motorcyclists. One of them ended up injured. He's been arrested. He's now facing up to five years in prison. Bali, of course, also a place for people just to update their bikini pics. So I guess this seems like another step in that direction towards tidying up tourists, uh, making it not as simple as booking a cheap flight and away you go. Uh, end of an era. Uh, Indonesia, of course, would not be the first place to do this, uh, introduce tourist tax. We, in fact, have one here in New Zealand. Mm. You have to pay 35 bucks uh, when you apply for a visa to visit here. Uh, in Portugal, you have to pay around $3.50 a night. Very sensible. Um <laughs> But uh, that's only for the first seven days that you're there. Bhutan, this is an interesting one. In Bhutan, you got to pay 405 New Zealand dollars a day. A day? Per day that you are there. Like an extra hotel room. 
What are you? Wow. Gosh. It's a luxurious destination then. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates soccer? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. I have a joke for you. A joke? Mm. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Here we go. What did the comedian say to the heckler? Oh, no. I can already tell. This is going to be... Play the game. Play the game. No, no, no. Play the game. What? Okay. What did the comedian say to the heckler? Stop heckling. You're not funny. <laughs> is that the joke? Look, when I said I had a joke, um, producer Jono joke? wrote that one. Producer Jono wrote that one. Are you um, blaming this on producer Jono because he's not here to defend himself? No, I will. I will blame this on producer Jono because he wrote it and he stuck it in the script. So, <laughs> and he told me I had to say it. So, let's not let's let's move on. Can we fire our boss? Good question. Maybe we'll save that for another interview. Mm. Anyway, audience interaction, heckling, as it were, at comedy shows as well, can be very cringe. Um, almost as cringe as being singled out while you're at a comedy show as well, right? It's terrifying, um, but it's so often a part of a comedian's act. And Stuff's Amberly Jack decided to investigate that art. Kia ora, how are you? How do comedians pick their targets? Well, from from what I was told, because my biggest fear is that I'm going to be in the audience and a comedian's gaze is going to catch mine and I'm going to be caught out and will just want the world to swallow me up. But um, I was told that they absolutely keep an eye on who wants to be a part of the show and who doesn't. And if you really don't, they're not going to call on you. But what are they looking for? Is, is it like the person at the front who's like staring at them with a big grin on their face? Is that the tell? Kind of, but also kind of not. Um, definitely want to be at the front if you want to be a part of the show. But... If you are vocal, it's a good idea. If you're too vocal, they're going to avoid you like the plague mm. because you're going to hijack the show and they don't want you. <laughs> so so from what I was told, if you really want to avoid being picked by a comedian, either act like you're really drunk <laughs> or be really loud and they will go nowhere near you. I, I was kind of surprised to learn that, yeah, that, that, that they can kind of sense if you really don't want to be involved and will sort of respect that. Because I, I kind of thought it would be like a great white shark in a swimming pool with a drop of blood, you know, like that, that, that it's like prey. Mm. So did I. And if, if I'm ever at a show, I'm so conscious of that. I'm uh. thinking, I don't look like you really don't want to be there because they're going to call on you straight yeah. away. But apparently that's not the case. They're actually kind of nice about it and I guess it kind of makes sense as well because if you are telling jokes on stage and you pull on someone and they are so awkward about it it's not going to make the show that much better. Mm. I guess that's the 
calculus from the comedian's point of view, right, is like this could be really good improvisational, flamboyant kind of content, but also if it goes badly, then not only is it crap for the audience, but it kind of makes me look bad as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a very fine line that they're, that they're crossing. Like you, you don't want someone who is going to completely take over and act like a fool mm. that the entire crowd is just going to be like, dude, get off the stage. But you also don't want someone that's just going to nod their head and ignore you until you move away. Oh, Emily Jack, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. The time has come. It's here. For another round of Fun Fact Friday. It comes around every week, doesn't it? It comes around every week. And every week I'm surprised. Yeah. And delighted. Surprised and delighted. The inexorable march of time waits for no one. Mm. But Fun Fact Friday will always be there. If everything else fails, we always know that Fun Fact Friday will be there. It's a good consistent uh, in your life. Great, That's true. Great, Fun great Fact Friday will be outlived only by the cockroaches and Coronation Street. <laughs> um, Remind us of the score again. It's 5-3 to you at the moment. Mm-hmm. Having emerged victorious last week, uh, would you like to go first? I can do Monarch butterflies migrating from Canada to Mexico seem to remember an ancient mountain that no longer exists and still veer around where it would have been when they're making their migration flight. You're going to have to elaborate on that one. Well, a bunch of butterflies, when they're, when they're migrating, yeah. still act as if they're having to travel around a mountain when they're going in a certain part of their migration journey. The mountain no longer exists. What happened to the mountain? Just it's gone. It's good. Well, it, it existed like thousands of years thousands ago, of years ago, and, and, and the, no one's told the monarch butterflies. <laughs> their ancestral memories are like, okay, we take a lift here, yes, and then we yeah, go straight yeah. for seventy-four kilometers, and then we and take then a back ride. on track. Yeah, ah, yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. No, it's funny, eh? Yeah. How bizarre. That's so weird. I'm going to Wikipedia that shit. And that I hope it doesn't best. exhaust them. Like, imagine the time and energy that would be saved if they just continued straight on rather than doing the old whoop whoop. They're only little fellas, monarch butterflies. I wonder if maybe they'd make it if they didn't have to veer around this bloody imaginary mountain. Yeah, yeah. Gee. Mm. Okay, that, that's fascinating. Um, uh, insight into the you animal. Sounds sarcastic, there. but I'm no, no, it's good. It's were, good. Okay, good. Thank you. If anyone's going to find a fun fact involving monarch butterflies flying around an imaginary mountain, interesting. It's me. Yes, this is true. Good fun fact, Mo. Okay, Thank my you. one, my fun fact this week is that uh, Queen Elizabeth the first oh. invented gingerbread men. What? Yeah. How? What do you mean? Um, Is this like the Earl of Sandwich? Like it was just something they fancied? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, except except her name, to the best of my knowledge, is not Queen Gingerbread Man. Oh. <laughs> so this is uh, King Charles's first cousin, 14 times removed, of course, Queen Elizabeth that, the Sorry, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Played by Kate Blanchett in that great movie back in the day. Yeah, the story to this is gift-giving, obviously, back in the 16th century, was a big part of being a royal. You got given lots mm. of gifts, and when you had guests, you were expected to give them gifts as well, although not as opulent as those that you received. So what Elizabeth would do is that... Um, when she had guests, she would have her chef bake tiny little gingerbread men, which resembled her guests, and oh, she would decorate I like them. That. Yeah, de- decorate them with little edible baubles and outfits um, that were recognisable and stuff. And then she would serve the gingerbread men to the guests who they resembled, so they could eat it themselves. That's creative from Queen Liz. It's very Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I like it. I yeah. like that. That is the kind of 
If one were to pay a door charge, one would like to receive a gingerbread man of themselves, I think. That's that true. is that I would love yeah. to have a gingerbread. It's like paying a door charge and getting a drink, except instead of a drink, it's it's a, it's a, it's a pastry baked in your in your likeness. Um, I have a bonus fun fact here. There is a Guinness World Record for the largest gingerbread man ever baked. Do you want to have a guess at how many kilograms it weighed? Uh, 100 kilograms. I don't know. It's not. It's 651 kilograms. There we go. See, 100 to me would be the heaviest thing in the world. Yeah. But the, yeah. 600 650. 100 kilogram gingerbread man would also be pretty impressive. Mm. Big fan of gingerbread? As a redhead, yes. I stand alongside anything with the name gingerbread. Pride. Redhead pride. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for whose fun fact you think is best on our Instagram page, search up Newsball NZ, or you can email us newsball at stuff.co.nz. But I think that's probably us for the week, isn't it? I think that's Newsball for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. Remember, we do have a bonus episode coming out tomorrow about the Royal Coronation. You can get that from about six o'clock in the morning. And if you enjoyed this episode, remember you can follow us on your favourite podcast player and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps other listeners to discover the show and we would just really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, share it with them. Go on. Just do it. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.